If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. He preps you for it so that whenever it does come, there's no worries. All right? And this is what he was doing. He was giving disaster aid before the disaster actually came. And so what they did was that an Agabus, remember the word Agabus means? It means locust. <laughs> Apparently this guy had a kind of prophetic edge about him that was, that was a little negative. And uh, the, the theologians, the historians believe that his name actually wasn't Agabus, that it was a nickname that he had acquired over time. All right? So when they saw Agabus coming, they're like, okay, what, great. What, what peril is coming our way now? All right, so this is what Agabus does. Verse 11, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt. Again, the bearer of bad news. Oh, Agabus. But truthful. Truthful. And really, he's giving warning here. And already, Paul is already, it's like Paul's hearing this again. He's hearing the same thing again. So shall it be to the man. Jews at Jerusalem, bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard these things, this is Luke writing this, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. I, I can just hear him saying, Paul, are you getting the message? The prophets are all saying, don't go. Then Paul answered, what do you mean? By weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He really meant what he said when he said, none of these things move me. So when he could not be persuaded, we ceased saying, we ceased saying, the Lord, the will of the Lord be done. Verse 15, and after those days, we packed up and went to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain nation of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, shout out to James, and all the elders who were present. Now, we remember James. Remember, James is the one who brought order in Acts chapter 15 when there was the great council in Jerusalem, really it was a great dispute in the beginning because there were Jews who were saying that in order for Gentiles to really be made righteous, they also have to be circumcised, right? So there was all this arguing and fighting and then Peter stood up and he told them about what happened at Cornelius' house, that God purified their hearts by faith. He gave them the Holy Spirit just like he did to us and none of them are circumcised. So they were like, oh, okay. So the whole place became quiet and then James stood up, Pastor James, and began to set order and say, this is what needs to happen. All right. And remember, they wrote the letter to send to the Gentile churches. And they said some. Basically, the letter said some guys went out from us and said that you they, they they troubled you and said that you need to be circumcised. We did not send that message with them. Here's what we'll tell you to do: uh, don't eat things uh, strangled, don't drink blood, uh, don't commit sexual immorality. What was the other one? I don't eat things offered to idols. All right. And then they said, basically, farewell. So they, Paul and them took this letter. Paul and Barnabas took that letter, and they took him to all those churches, and all the people were rejoicing over that matter. <clears throat> okay, that's James. Okay, so he comes into James, and all the elders were present. Verse 19, when he had greeted them, he told them in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous 
for the law. So what James is teaching him is that while you're out winning Gentiles, which is wonderful, and we praise God for that. He said, look at all the Jews that have come into the kingdom of God here who are all zealous for the law. The gospel's working on both sides. This is powerful. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. So the rumor about Paul has been going about by these guys saying that Paul's saying that anybody, nobody has to be circumcised. Nobody has to keep the law of Moses. This is the information that these Jews are getting about Paul. All right. What then, James says, the assembly must certainly meet for they will hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them. This is all under the custom of the law, all right? I don't really have time to get into what they're doing here, uh, but it's all according to the law. And pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. So listen to James' solution, all right? This is James' solution. We've got four guys that have taken a vow. They haven't finished their purification process, but what we need you to do is go with them and do the same thing. And by the way, pay for their way. Pay their way to get it done. You all shave your heads and do what you need to do. And when those guys see you, they'll go, no, 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 Paul keeps the law. And he certainly doesn't preach against it. This is the plan, all right? Everybody got this? What should Paul do right here? Let's put, you, put yourself in Paul's shoes right there. I'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? I didn't do anything wrong. That's misinformation. Why do I got to go defend myself when I've done nothing wrong? They're the ones that are screwed up, not me. Why do I have to put on this show? But concerning the Gentiles who believe, verse 25, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing. Oh, he's about to go over it. Except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And remember what James is really addressing concerning the Gentiles was, is that all of those things were done as pagan worship to God. All right? They, they were sexually immoral. Uh, they were paying prostitutes as worship to God. Uh, the goddess Diana, as well as these other foreign gods. So he was saying, you got to stay away from that. Those are all forms of pagan worship. You need to consecrate yourself only to God. All right. So, I mean, Paul, he really could have raised a stink here and if he wanted to, but, but that was not in his nature to do anything like that. He loved his people, and he did what made for peace. I just love that about him. He just he went with it. He just went with it. He later wrote over in, over in Romans chapter 12, he says, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So whatever you can do to make for peace, do that. And what that means is you're going to have to choose your battles wisely. You might be totally justified in the way that you feel. You might have done nothing wrong, ladies and gentlemen. But make for peace. Do whatever you can, whatever's in your power to make for peace. Verse 26, then Paul took them in, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them, in which Paul paid for all of them. 
But Paul follows, I love this, he follows James' instructions. He just, he just says, yes, sir, I'll go do it. This is proof that Paul continued to live by the law. Paul did not abandon the law. Paul got saved and he continued to be a Jew. It's amazing to me that the man can make the separation, that he was a Jew. I mean, this guy was a Pharisee of Pharisees is what he said earlier. Then he had this amazing encounter with God. Jesus Christ saves him, calls him. He goes and preaches to the Gentiles, but he always practices his Judaism, but he doesn't ever try to force it on the Gentiles. It's amazing. He was able to separate the two things. He never told the Jews that they should forsake their customs either. He only told the Gentiles that they were under no such law. He never told the Jews that. But the Jews who hated the idea that Gentiles were coming into the kingdom of God so freely, they were the guys who made up the terms greasy grace. Cheap grace. It's pharisaical words. They were not expected to keep their customs so uh, th these guys raised a fit and they accused Paul of abandoning all their traditions from all the way to Moses and teaching other Jews to do the same. I mean, these were totally fabricated lies. Verse 27, Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him, Paul, in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. And they weren't praying for healing. Crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. Look how, fat, how quickly this gets out of hand. First of all, their accusation was that he was teaching those Jews that were among the Gentiles. Look what they say now. He teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place, which is the temple. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple, and he had not. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, they only had one thing in mind. They didn't want to just beat him up and make him learn his lesson. They were ready to destroy this man. News came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. This guy, every city he goes into. Isn't that something? He just shows up in town and a, a, a riot starts. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing. And some another, as always is amongst liars. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. Now, I, we see this happen over and over again. And when there is no truth and there are only lies, then there's only confusion in the atmosphere. And the scripture says that the devil himself is the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. And the enemy is the author of confusion. So when you see something like that going on, you say, well, that's obviously the work of the enemy. God doesn't stir up things like this. All right? And his children, the enemies, the devil's children, they carry, continue to carry out his mission generation after generation. This is a, another example. Remember what God told the serpent in the garden. He said that I'm going to put enmity or hatred between your seed and her seed, and her seed was capital S, speaking of his son that was coming. I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. So what that teaches us, the devil has a seed and God has a seed. 
and they were at odds. Genesis chapter 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That's Genesis 3.15. John 8.44, we see it come to life in the life of Jesus when he's walking on the earth. And remember in John 8.32, we all know the scripture, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Shall make you free. That's exactly right. And Jesus is speaking to Jews who believed in him. It says, and he spoke to those Jews who believed him if, uh, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And when that happened, when that happened, they began to say, how can you say the truth will make us free? We're already free. We're children of Abraham. All right. So this little argument starts up. And Jesus said, if you're children of Abraham, you would accept me and all that I'm doing. And if you because re Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they said, they said, you're not even 40 years old. How can you say that Abraham rejoices to see your day? And then he says these words that, I mean, shock their whole system. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew that name. They knew that name. That was the name God called himself when he was out there in that meeting with Moses through the burning bush. And they, boy, they went nuts about, about this. In verse 44, Jesus turns to them and says, you are of your father, the devil. Those are not words you want to hear from Jesus. You are of your father, the devil. What's going on right here? It's the enmity of the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman facing off right here. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So what this teaches us is that the seed of the serpent is the religious system. The seed of the woman is Jesus. And the scripture says that through Moses came the law, but through Jesus Christ came grace and truth. Wow. Let's go back to Acts 21, 35. Everybody all right out there? Yeah, you're doing well? You getting blessed? Verse 35, when he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed after, crying out, away with him. Verse 37, then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak to you? He replied, can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out in the wilderness? This guy's got so many rumors going on about him. He's teaching all men everywhere that they should abandon the law. And then amongst the Romans, they're hearing a rumor about him that he's this Egyptian who, with these 4,000 assassins. Now, if you, if you read, anybody ever read the book, the Josephus, any of Josephus' writings? Really interesting, a great historian, and wrote a lot, of, a lot during Christ's time. Uh, a lot of it uh, concurs right with the scriptures. It's awesome. Anyway, the Greek word for assassins here is the word sicarios. And there was a band of assassins back then called the sicarii. Sikar, uh, what they're S-A-C-A-R-I-I, Sicarii. And, uh, and Josephus says that they, they sprang up in Jerusalem, uh, a class of robbers known as the Sicarii, who slew men in the daytime and in the midst of the city. Uh, they mingled with the populace. What happened was when they, were, they would have a festival and they would have a gathering of people, the Sicarii would come in amongst them and they would keep these daggers. The word Sicarios means dagger man. They would keep these short little... Uh, bladed daggers uh, underneath their clothes and then they would just get amongst the people and just start killing people and then just mingling amongst the crowd and just slicing people up 
And uh, I mean, they were, they were vicious. And the reason they, they were there is because they hated Rome. They hated the Romans. Most of them were made up of Jews. And they hated any Jews that accepted the Greek culture. All right? So they, they just reacted with violence. And they were good at it. So the Romans thought that Paul was the ringleader of these assassins. But Paul said, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So when he had given him permission, so now Paul has made his way up these stairs, and he's about to go into these barracks, and he's looking out over this crowd of people who is completely ticked off at him. He stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, which we will find out next Wednesday what he was saying. I want to leave you hanging a little bit. <laughs> chapter 22, chapter 22 is one of, the, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. And I cannot wait to get to this chapter, but I want to spend some time. I don't want to jump into it tonight, all right? Uh, we've got next Wednesday, and you will be blessed by this chapter. This chapter kind of sets, up, sets us up for 22. Um, can we bow our heads for just a moment? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for just the beauty of your word, the truth that we, as we set under your word tonight. Lord, your word is life to those who find it and its health to all of our flesh. We thank you, Lord, that all of it is inspired by God, that you breathed out this word, and Lord, you chose certain men to pin down these living words so that we could look into them even today 2,000 years later to continue to search the Scriptures and know their reality in our lives. Your Word stands forever. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, as your Scripture says, and the plans of your heart to all generations. Father, that is so encouraging that you have plans for this generation in your heart for us, your people. We are just as chosen as any other generation before. Because we now are the children of promise. Hallelujah. I want to ask tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Tonight, you're here and you are battling something in your body. Some physical sickness, problem, whatever it might be. Pain, whatever it might be. I want you to just raise your hand where you are. Raise your hand where All right, keep it, keep it up for just a moment if you can. Uh, also, maybe you're here tonight and you're dealing with some mental stress as well. All right, your mind is racing. You're dealing with anxiety. You've got all kinds of things uh, spinning around in your head and it's made you lose sleep. It's made you feel stressed out and you feel uh, like you're going a little bit crazy. Can you just raise your hand right where you are? Father, I thank you right now, right now that you are the healer. You are our healer, the God who heals us. And right now, I declare the word of the living God over these who are suffering in any kind of sickness or pain. I just speak the health of God into their lives. I command and release a healing invasion now to invade these bodies and remove every form of sickness and ailment and infirmity and pain. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that your word will do what it can do. 
bring life. And that will abound in success in their bodies and accomplish your will and purpose. By His stripes, they are healed. By His stripes, they are healed. I speak peace now also over these restless minds. These minds that have been stirring. I just declare right now quietness now. I want to give you a couple of scriptures to hold on to. One being Psalm chapter 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Hallelujah. Thank you now, God. For your love, your love that covers a multitude of sins. Your love, God. You've not given us fear. You've given us power and love and a sound mind. Sound mind. Thank you, Father, right now for your help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your healing. And we go from here tonight, Lord. We thank you that your word is at work in full force in our lives. Pray this with me. Father, I receive your word and its full effect in my life. I believe your word above my circumstances, above my feelings, above even my own thoughts. I choose to trust my God. And I know that in you, I have the victory in the name of Jesus. That is my stance, and that is where I will stay, in faith, because faith is the victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.